And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Mark chapter 9, verse 29. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Not all praying is the same. There's a difference between saying a prayer and really praying. And I think that is a distinction which is sort of fleshed out in this incident that we heard about in the Gospel this morning. We see a distinction between how the father of the sick adult child, how the father um, first came to Jesus versus how he changes his approach and asks him the second time. Remember that the word prayer just means ask, right? In the old, old English, in Shakespeare's day or something, you know, I, I pray thee, just meant I'm asking you to do something. We see a great difference, a transformation in how the father of the child asks Jesus for help. The first time he comes, he comes with a spirit of complaint, right? Verse 18, I came and your disciples couldn't help me which I can't help but hear, you know, the disciples were the first portion of Christ's church. Um, and so this man is complaining that his ch- the church is really not what it should be. It's not, it's not helping as, as much as he needs. Um, I guess maybe that just resonates especially as a pastor. It's like, yeah, the church is not always, uh, we're not always doing it uh, quite right. Um, but the father comes with, with complaint. I came and your disciples couldn't help me. And he comes without faith, as Jesus calls out. As, right? he, Jesus says, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to bear with you? The father, this man, is giving voice to a spirit that must have, Jesus discerned must have been present in a large portion of the crowd. This whole generation, in fact, seems to lack faith that God in himself, in Jesus Christ, could really do something. So Jesus doesn't sort of single out the man like, why don't you have faith? He, he hears what the man says and says, ah, I hear that you're giving voice to what I recognize so many here hold, this faithless generation. But the man is included in that, right? He comes complaining without faith. Um, we said a few weeks ago at Sunday School that it's, it's really important to think about what tone of voice sometimes we read Jesus as having. And of course, we, we don't know exactly how he said it, but to to listen with what we know about Jesus' character throughout the Gospels and, um, and what else we know about Jesus. So when we hear Jesus say, how long am I to bear with you? Um, I'm first tempted, I think, to sort of hear that with the voice which I could imagine my own mother or something saying like, how long am I going to bear with this? Um, but Jesus is infinitely more loving even than my loving mother. May she rest in peace. Um, I think given the fact that Jesus has come to earth to ransom God's people for a relationship with God, this isn't some sort of petty, why isn't this going better? I think it's the uh, the heartbreak, the heartbreak of the prophets. How long do I have to bear with this? How long will God be extending this mercy and you're just not even believing enough to be interested for real? I think it's a how long of, of heartbreak. It seems like in the Gospel story, because of how the crowd shows up again later, that the crowd must have slightly dispersed after this rebuke, because they then go get the son of the, the sick son of the father. And when the son comes, um, the demonic spirit that he had sort of acts up, and the, the boy is uh, convulsing. And many modern critics will sort of say about the, these, these Bible stories, oh, they just thought all sickness was demonic. And that's really 
a failure to understand the scriptures and ancient history, the gospels are really clear. And many times in Matthew's gospel in particular, it will say Jesus healed many, including healed those who had epilepsy, and he cast out demons as sort of separate things. So it wasn't that just because he had this thing that they were mistaken in thinking that it was an unclean spirit. It certainly was because of the remedy, because Jesus is casting out of the demon, is what healed the boy. It, it was an unclean spirit. The boy's brought, he convulses and he's foaming on the floor. Um, and, you know, the father says he's been doing this since childhood. It's a familiar sight. Anyone who's cared for someone with a long illness, it, it doesn't shock you anymore after it's happened a lot of times. And so they're talking about the boy's history and ascertaining that it, it has happened since childhood. And the father says, if you can do anything, help us. I mean, it's about like a very non-committal petition, right? And Jesus calls it out. If? If you can do anything, in the Greek it really emphasizes that if part. If you can do anything, really you're coming at me with an, with an if? If you can? So the father's come complaining, unbelieving, and with this sort of if statement coming to Jesus. Jesus rebukes the if, if you can, but then he, he actually extends an invitation to the man. He says, all things are possible to the one who believes. If you come at me with something different than an if, who knows what the power of God might do in this situation? He holds out this offer, and, in, and the man takes it, right? it. The man sort of has this change of heart as we sort of try and understand like, what's happening in this very rapid narration of this story in the Gospel. The man comes unbelieving. Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible. And then the man blurts out, okay, I believe. And with a real moment of honesty to say, help my unbelief. Right? Such a consolation to us who struggle with doubt from time to time. I believe, help my unbelief. A prayer that we can all say in different seasons. But I think sometimes we can emphasize so much the help my unbelief, we fail to notice he really does say, I believe. After coming with complaint, disbelief, um, and an if, he changes, I believe, help my unbelief. And it says in verse 24, the father cries out to Jesus. Right? That's crying out is very different than saying, your disciples couldn't help me if you can do anything. Right? So here we, we begin to see the two different ways of approaching Jesus in prayer. The first time unbelieving. The second time having sort of received Jesus' offer to believe. Say, crying out. I mean, there's something bold and even embarrassing about crying out in public, right? When you say, ah! <laughs> it draws attention to yourself and it, it reveals real need. We only cry out when we really need. You know, Don't run in front of that car. We cry out when we really need something. It reveals actually a prayer that's no longer just, well, if you can do something, but a prayer that's coming from the heart. A sincere petition. I actually have really come to believe that there are times when I'm praying for something and it doesn't seem like God is answering my prayer. And as I kind of look at the situation, I realize it's, I'm not even that invested in my prayers. Right? You know, it's like, oh Lord, if you could help that, that'd be great. It's like, I'm not even sort of really even asking God. I'm surprised. I'm like, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Because I, I think he, see, he who knows our hearts, right? He knows what's in us. Sees our hearts. He knows that we don't even care that much about that thing being accomplished. And yet we hold God on the hook for why isn't he answering my prayer more? And I, I realize this sounds like, comes, can come close to some of the false teaching of the sort of word of faith movement thing that's out there these days. 
But in my life, the times when I have really prayed, and I mean like cried out, like fasted and woken up in the middle of the night and got myself up and prayed, Lord, please do this thing. He's answered it every time. And I know that sounds sort of like, well, like, God is not some puppet. It's not, but I think it's that he answers, he has all these bold promises for prayer. Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. But we sort of ask like, okay, God, give him safe travels. Okay, God, you know, thanks for some food. You know, we're not asking, we're not coming. God, I need this thing. Please, in your mercy, move in power. When we ask like that, it's a different thing. And we see different results. I've seen very different results in my own life terms of the things I really pray rather than just say a prayer for. Um, I know it's sort of a part of sort of online culture now that when someone expresses a need to just say prayers, <laughs> and that's, that's very different than really praying, right? When the man really prays, Jesus heals his son. He casts out the demon with his sovereign authority, with a word. The demon is gone. And his disciples gather, right, and they ask, Lord, what, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus says, in a somewhat cryptic phrase, which I want to unpack, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I think what Jesus is saying is he's wanting to extend the very lesson the father of the son had to learn, which is come with a real ask. He's extending it in his teaching to his disciples. He's wanting to show them there's a difference between just saying a prayer and really praying. The father was heard when his prayer changed to be believing and sincere, right? by crying out, by dropping the if. And the disciples apparently needed to, to learn a similar lesson. We know three chapters earlier in Mark's Gospel, the disciples had gone out on mission, and Jesus gave them authority to cast out unclean spirits, and they did. And they came back and they said, Jesus, this is amazing. Even the demons obey our command. And of course Jesus says, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. But the disciples have experience of praying for an unclean spirit, to, of commanding an unclean spirit, and it, and it going away. We don't know why their ministry was not effective. It's not in, we have to sort of, what were they not doing that it wasn't effective? But I, I wonder, perhaps, that they'd fallen into the classic Christian trap of seeing God do something in your life and thinking that, you kind of have the power. You're like, oh, wow, well, we cast out a demon and it fleed, forgetting that it's the finger of Almighty God working through them, which is another way of saying prayer, right? Prayer is what invites God's operation, and, and not them themselves, because Jesus' rebuke is, you didn't pray. So they must have at some level been not asking God to do the exorcism, but instead relying on their own strength. Perhaps. We don't, the Bible doesn't say exactly what they did wrong, but what they lacked was really praying to the one who has authority, to God. Um, how many of you grew up with uh, the King James Bible growing up? Yeah. How many of you have learned this verse as, this kind cannot come out with prayer and fasting? Yeah, that's, that was the older translation. Many of the Greek manuscripts, some say with prayer, some say prayer and fasting, and then you know, the translations now, they think the, the more older manuscripts don't say fasting, but the reason it's, there's even some difference there is because the early church understand, understood true prayer, which is what Jesus is saying, really pray, always comes with fasting. So they were interpreting, you know, that word got sort of added on as an interpretation. Jesus meant it, I think. I think he meant to say the kind of prayer that would fast. 
But the words he said was with prayer. So that's why um, that word is not in our um, translation of the Bible anymore. But certainly Jesus meant it, right? Because sincere prayer always, in Jewish days, in Christian days, always comes, means that you're fasting. To say, I care about this so much, I'm not going to eat any food for a little while. Right? Maybe 24, maybe 48 hours. To say, I'm going to give up all meals and I'm just going to try and, with God's help, bend the focus of my soul to ask God sincerely for this one thing. And I'm surprised in my own life how fasting I can go from, oh Lord, please you know, bring my brother back to the faith. So then, you know, three meals in of hunger and it's like, Lord, please bring <laughs> you know, and, and finally that's the weakness of the flesh, but that's how God made it, that we would make the flesh a little hungry so we could make the spirit a bit hungrier to pray with fasting. The, um, we've seen Jesus teach by sort of in the course of things that prayer should be earnest um, and believing but it should also be accompanied by what the ancient church calls the wings of prayer the things that drive prayer upwards one of the wings is fasting and the other is alms surprisingly you might not that seems so different like so material versus spiritual but the church has always taught that when we give away money we detach ourselves a little bit more from the things of the world so that we can attach a bit more to the things of spirit, to God, and the thing we're asking him to do. Those are the two wings of prayer. That's why our reading from the book of James this morning ties actually very much in with our scriptures. Right? To give money to the poor is one of the things that sort of helps our prayers lift out of sort of a faithless sluggishness and to a more earnest petition of God. So, this passage offers us, well, really four things. That if we desire to see God answer our prayers, we should pay attention to. To come with earnestness. And sometimes, you know, earnestness is, sometimes you can't just conjure it, but we can try a bit harder, right? Probably those of you who are married know this from marriage. It's the difference between sort of like, uh, how's your day, you know, can I do anything to help? Versus, how is your day? Can I do anything to help? Right? I mean, we all know the difference between really meaning what we say, and we can practice that a bit more in our prayers. Um, when we have liturgical prayers, it's something I pray throughout every liturgy we do together, every time I pray by myself. You know, within about 90 seconds, my mind is starting to wander off into something else, and I have to, uh, you know, two dozen times in the midst of a prayer say, hey Lord, help me to pray. I don't want to just say, Lord have mercy upon... I want to pray, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy upon us. I'm actually asking from the one who is the judge for mercy and to really ask it. And sort of be constantly trying to redirect our our earnestness and our belief into our prayers, whatever we're praying for, for ourselves, for other people. Whether we're praying for the casting out of an unclean spirit, which still happens today, for healing, for the meeting of material needs, for strength to bear what God has permitted us to be living in, whatever it may be, uh, let's ask God with sincerity, with, with belief, and accompany our prayers with fasting from time to time and with almsgiving. And the scripture itself says we can expect to see God's operating in our lives and answering our prayers more readily. It's not always an instant prayer. Jesus says we have to be persistent in prayer. But we will see more of God's operation when we pray in the way that Jesus has 
instructed us in many ways in our gospel this morning. This kind can only come out through prayer, through really praying. May the Holy Spirit bless you this week, each of you, in your prayers to practice and experience more of these things in our life in Christ Jesus together. Amen.